Hi, this is Bruce Clark, host of Twip Weddings. You're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by the five-day deal complete photography bundle for 2016. This is $2,700 worth of training and software for just $97. The bundle disappears forever on October 19th, so grab it now at twip.pro slash 5DD. That's twip.pro slash 5DD. Hey guys, TWIP needs your help. We've started a Patreon campaign in hopes that you will help support the network so that we can take TWIP to the next level. That would mean more shows, more hosts, and more TWIP. Please consider donating a few bucks at twip.pro slash donate. That's twip.pro slash donate. And thanks in advance. This is TWIP, episode 486. Google grabs them with the pixel. Google changes the smartphone conversation again, this time with the introduction of a new phone they're calling Pixel. But this time, the Big G is controlling both the hardware and the software, and they say this new phone has the best camera ever attached to any smartphone. Google are clearly taking aim at the newly released iPhone 7, but can they galvanize the somewhat fractured Android user base? Also, Sony releases yet another iteration of their popular A6000 series of mirrorless cameras. The A6500 addresses a number of complaints photographers have expressed with the line, including the lack of a touchscreen and five-axis image stabilization. The A6500 sports both. These features once the territory of Lumix, Fuji, and Olympus. It's Monday, October 10th, 2016, and this is Twitter. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Interesting show. Today it's a show that's full of gear, so we should title this show All About the Gear, but we already have a show called All About the Gear. <laughs> in fact, I may title this episode Not All About the Gear, but really it is, or something like that. <laughs> anyway, it's going to be a good show. we got lots of interesting things to talk about, and on the panel to cover this stuff are my two good friends, Mr. Martin Bailey from the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. What's up, Martin? Hey, Frederick. It's nice to be back. Yeah, likewise. Like, it's good to have you back. And also, there's Mike Sharky James from the Petapixel Photography Podcast, Petapixel, also known as the treasure trove of content for This Week in Photo. <laughs> <laughs> We're the back end of This yeah. Week in Photo. Yeah, we, we harvest. We, well, we're kind of like um, you know those birds that chew up the food and regurgitate it. So you guys chew up the food and then spit it down our necks and then we uh, you know, regurgitate it verbally. So. <laughs> Lovely image. Well, welcome, man. It's good to have you on the show. Great to be back. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's dive into the news. This first thing that's happening is, um, okay, so the, the, the first piece of gear we're going to talk about is Sony, Sony released their new flagship APS-C camera, which they're claiming has the fastest autofocus and the most AF points um, of what? I'm not sure of all of their cameras, of all cameras made, uh, but it's the Sony A6500, which is the successor to the 6000, which then became the 6300, and now it's up to 6500. And it's this when they came out with the 6000, people were raving about that thing because it was like the fastest autofocus known to man. Yeah, that one. Fastest autofocus known to man, and people, it just didn't miss a shot. People 
did not have any problems with the sixty with the six thousand and the six three hundred came out got better. Now the interesting thing about this sixty five hundred, aside from the specs that we're going to talk about in a second, is that if I'm not mistaken, the little birdie told me. Not the regurgitating bird, but the <laughs> bird told me that this thing has a touchscreen. Finally, <laughs> finally, Sony has listened and put a touchscreen on their cameras. Mike, Sharky James, you own one of these things, right? Which, I do one, do you, which one do you own? The 6000? I've got the A6000. Love this little bugger. It now keeps the papers from flying off my desk. <laughs> because it's no good, or because, because it is it, it is a it is a back cap cover or a lens cap cover for your uh, that giant lens you got there. No, it, it's a it's a great camera. But what I've done is I've moved up to and people who follow the Petapixel Photography Podcast know I moved to the Nikon D five hundred. So after a year plus of of being all about the Sony A six thousand, which is fun for shooting for uh, shooting sports. Mm-hmm. What I love to shoot most are sports action that sort of thing. And it, listen, if anyone tells you the A6500 is the go-to for sports, they work for Sony or, they're, or they've drunk the Kool-Aid. They just have. When you need to get to controls fast enough, it, it's not on the back of this thing. And if you're watching on thisweekinphoto.com or YouTube, you can see it's, it, it's really difficult to get to what you need to quickly. For that, you need something like a DSLR. And yeah. so I chose the Nikon D500 where you've got all the buttons and dials and everything that you need to get to. Yeah, yeah, it's the right tool for the right job. Thank you for saying that cuz a lot of people people, you know, slam on us all the time for being too pro mirrorless cameras and all this stuff. And I'm pro mirrorless because the kind of stuff that I shoot it is the right tool. It's like saying you are too pro pickup trucks just because you're hauling stuff around all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> it's like I'm pro this particular thing because this is what I use. But you make an excellent point there. You shoot sports and you need to be able to get to the manual controls quickly. You need the fast autofocus, all that stuff. And that's what DSLRs excel at, right? Definitely. It's listen. If you're making your money shooting sports, you're not gonna. And I'm sorry, I've got a lot of friends who are Sony artisans and and work for Sony. It's not gonna be the go-to camera. You're gonna want a DSLR or even something like the Fujifilm XT2, which I just got from our friends down in Australia, DigiDirect. People been raving about that camera. It's a wonderful camera. Now there are some gripes I have with the the dials. There's you know the this little ring that's underneath the ISO and the uh, and the shutter speed. Once you get too far on either end, you can't operate it so easily with the pad of your forefinger. You have to then go to what I call thumbnail mode. You're just, there's just no nail, fingernail you. mode. There's just no pleasing you. Like, <laughs> well, but if you need to get to something, you know, I used to be a photojournalist, as you were too, right? In the mm-hmm. military you were. Mm-hmm. I was a civilian. And when you need to get to something quickly, you need to get to something quickly. And it's not going to be with an A6500. And I love the Sony stuff. The A6000 was great for shooting sports. I could make it work, but I got tired of making it work. So the crux of it, just to to put a fine point on it, with the A6500 or the A6000 series cameras, they're great, but the controls are in inside the OS, so you have to dig a little bit to get to them. Versus with the DSLR, like the Nikon you have there, it's you can just flick things, and it's more tactile, tactile and mechanical. It's a very tactile camera, both of those, even the XT2, but more so the D500. But what the A6500 has in it that just blows my mind, and it's only a, a slightly bigger body than the A6300, they put five-axis in-body image stabilization in that darn thing. Yeah. How did they do that? That's magic. And yet, you know, it shoots 4K video. It does all the things you want to do, but it doesn't have a headphone jack. 
it's not actually magic. You know, Olympus has been doing it for, I don't know, 12,000 years. Panasonic is doing it. Yeah. So five axis image stabilization is not magic. It is, I think it's awesome, but it's not magic. That's not. But in a body that's this tiny, and I'm showing it the A6000, this is, the A6500 is only a little bit bigger than this and the 6300. How did they yeah. fit it in there? I mean, what did they remove in there to get it crazy. in there? But they didn't yeah, put in a headphone jack. So if you're wanting, you know, it's great for video, but if you want to shoot video, you don't have a headphone jack. So you can't monitor your audio easily. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like. There's always something. There's always something. Martin, what, Martin what, what about you, man? Looking at this thing, you know, I know every time you're on the show, we have this conversation. <laughs> we're like, Martin, does this camera make you want to jump over? <laughs> so so I, I pose it again. Does the A6500 make you want to move to mirrorless? You know, it, it's. It's probably getting very close, and I I would say looking at the specs and that based just on looking at the specs, the the autofocus looks great. Um, I I've not tried it. I I also have no intention of trying it simply because I've got I, I'm happy with my Canon gear, um, yeah. you know. And it's like Sharky's saying, you know, the, for me having things at the fin- at the fi- at your fingertips is really important. Um, I'm sure I could make it work. I, I'm making the 5DSR work for wildlife because I love the camera and I, I love 50 megapixels. So when there's things that you want to overcome, you do make it work. Um, and I'm sure I could with the Sony as well. But because I've not tried it, um, I can't really say uh, you know, if the autofocus really is there. Uh, I know that for a lot of the work that I do, for wildlife especially, when you're trying to pan with a, an eagle flight swooping down to catch a fish and you need it to be right there with high contrast water in the foreground and the background, you need a certain amount of control. I can't say whether the, whether the new Sony has that or not. Um, I'd be happy to test it if Sony sent me one, but I uh, honestly, from, with my own money, I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't go and buy this camera just to see if it, if it lived up to the specs. Um, but it's not to say that there's anything wrong with it. I'm sure that... You know, I mean, sure, it's got no, it's got no uh, earphone jack. I, I, for me, I never monitor, even when I'm shooting video, I never monitor directly anyway. I just look at the levels and then just let it go. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it really just depends on what the individual needs. For me, it's not, it it's, looks close, looks great, um, but it's not going to make me jump, and, jump into um, my wallet and start, you know, throwing yen around to pick. I wonder. Up. I wonder if it's. It, you know, I I see, and this is me armchair quarterbacking, but I see two separate marketing targets for this. I see the people, or maybe three. So I see the people that were on an A six thousand and they love it, and they skipped the sixty three hundred because there wasn't too much of a change between the two. Now the sixty five hundred is here. They're like, okay, you know, this one's getting long in the tooth. Quote. So I'm going to go get the sixty five hundred. And also the people that are moving and thinking of moving into the Sony realm because they've been hearing all this magic about these A7000 or A7 cameras that do all this magic stuff. This could be like the gateway drug into that world where you can say, you know, I'll put my toe in the water with this little A6500, see how it is. They get stuck. Now they're buying lenses. Now they're in the Sony universe. And then the third one is if your camera is broken. You know, (laughs) (laughs) here's something that you've got unbelievably valid points there. And here's something that we need to mention, too, is this now, like you said, has a touchscreen on it. So you can with your thumb, which I think is a great way of implementing this, move the focusing point around. And I've never (gasps) tried this before. 
like Panasonic has been doing forever. Exactly. <laughs> and it, and is, you know, it's coming other cameras as well. But yeah. being able to move that focus point around is great. If you're doing paid work, you're shooting sports or whatever, and you need to move that autofocus point around, you need to get to it quickly. So either with a little joystick nubbin or your thumb or whatever. But it's for me, I think, and you know, this is complaining, but <laughs> it's what I do. That's <laughs> why you have me on, right? I hadn't guessed. I hadn't guessed that, Sharky. <laughs> well, you know, it's like everyone like just reads the uh, the bullet points and everything with you know a lot of times, and it's like I'm going to oh, tell you need, what the real world contrast. stuff. Contrast yeah. makes the world go around. I, you know, as a, like I said, as a former photojournalist, uh, usability is important. I need to be able to get to the controls, and you know, if you're going to get an A6500, you have to be okay with a small form factor. Yeah. And if you're watching yeah. the the video of this on uh, thisweekinphoto.com or on YouTube, I mean, look at this. This is the this is the seventy to two hundred f four, and they've got a f two point eight G Master. Is that a lens? Or are you just glad to see me, Sharky? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go, Frederick. <laughs> but it, it's huge. But look at how tiny the A six thousand and the A sixty five hundred be the same way is on the back of that. Yeah. And, you know, you get used to it. You can put a grip, and they're mostly useless from the third-party con- uh, companies. But, yeah. the you know, the whole sm- – uh, I'm way over, way beyond the smaller, lighter thing of mirrorless. For me, it's about the technology. I love it. But you know what? You know, that's interesting because there's a couple things I want to hit on there. So on – it took me – so I when I switched over to the Lumix system – you know, I loved it. And I was doing that whole touch to focus thing and touch to, you know, using maximizing the usage of that touch screen. I loved it. But you know what? It took me about a year and a half before I realized that if you bring that because I was shooting like this, you know, it's like iPhone mode, touch, shoot. But when you bring it up to your face, you know, you have it, it automatically turns off the LCD. With the Lumix, I'm not sure about the Sony's, but with the Lumix, the LCD is still active and you can still touch it even though it's off. You can still drag around your focus point and see the the focus point moving in the EVF before you shoot the shot. So you can you get the best of both worlds where you can, you know, oh yeah, I want that bird right there and focus and shoot. So yeah, that works that works really cool. But I, I wonder I don't know. I you know, I wonder if like where is this stuff going with 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 the sixty five hundred and like looking at people like Martin right so Martin you're happy where you are these companies have to keep innovating and keep you know the sixty seven hundreds coming out in a couple minutes you know I'm sure <laughs> well it's so, only been eight months since they say, that's another thing too the A sixty three hundred came out just eight months ago right so that was so, this was so unexpected so what's going on Sony obviously wants more market share more mind share sell cameras right. while you know make hay make hay while the sun is shining right. I wonder if this is time, is this for, you know, in this in this world right here, like with the 6500, is this the tipping point for people to be jumping over to these larger Sony cameras? Because I'll, I'll tell you, on my side, there's, I mean, it would take some serious dynamite to blow me away from my Lumix systems because I love them. But if people are thinking about the Sony, you know, or moving into the Sony world, and they're like, you know, it's great, but... You know, it doesn't have that image stabilization and, I mean, the touchscreen thing. So they just killed both of those arguments. Now people can move on. And plus it has, you know, I'm assuming it still has the lightning fast autofocus speed. So it just dropped the dropped the barriers for people that had at least those two complaints. So is this Martin? Do you think this is going to open the floodgates for people to start rushing into Sony from DSLRs or other mirrorless systems? I I don't I really don't know. I think there's definitely going to be you know, looking at the last few years, the last three or four years, 
people are flooding over to mirrorless. There's a lot of people that are happier to have the the lighter form factor, the smaller smaller kit. I mean, even though the the lenses, if you're still on a full frame system, the lenses are quite hefty, but you can shrink your kit down a certain amount. Um, just because, I mean, the, as Sharky's been showing, the bodies are really small. It's mm. a lot smaller than my 5D with the battery grip on it. Um, but for me, I, I've, I've got relatively big hands and I just like to have something that I can really grip. I always buy the battery grip for it. And people say, why do you want that? And for me, it's really, it's about being able to go to, to um, vertical uh, shooting mode, you know, portrait and mode, have, have and something still to have, hold on to, and still, and pl- yeah, plus all of the controls are still there. I, I just, I personally just prefer the form factor and the the controllability of the of the big cameras. But for yeah. sure, there's if someone is is waiting for something that is 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 a little bit smaller and still got great, you know, I mean, I think this is twenty four megapixels. That's fine for most people. And I, I think that there's, you know, there, there's definitely a a case for people moving over, and I'm sure that this one will tip some people. Um, it won't tip but me, you know, but it, it's, it doesn't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think. You know, we all. It's hard to stay out of the gravity of the of the ore, right? <laughs> and it's like, you know, you can own a sixty five hundred. And something else, right? Mm. I mean, this is a tiny camera. You could put a nice little small 50 or whatever the equivalent is on APS-C on that thing and have it as your everyday runaround camera or keep it in your bag with a body cap on it. And it could be a good backup camera if you use, you know, those lenses. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be, okay, well, it's too small, so I'm not going to use it. Small is good in some instances. You yeah. know, sometimes you want that, and then sometimes you want the big, hefty DSLR size to have that that haftal, hefty tactile yeah. feel. Yeah, you, you know, I've, I've mentioned that before. I think that we we are we tend to be binary, and it's yeah. it's, it's it's this or that. Um, and for sure, there's 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 definitely a a case for for owning more than one system. For me, I'm I'm terrible. If I if I bought that system, I would say, okay, now I want this lens. Now I want that lens. Before I know it, I'd be buying all sorts of stuff for it as well. So I really can't afford from just as a business decision. I can't really afford to buy it into a new system, um, especially not if it's just going to give me something that is slightly smaller. Because, like for example, um, earlier no last week I. I went into town. I went into Tokyo to see the um, the national. Was it the press? Um, that that thing that goes around the the press photo. Um, world this, press photo. World press. press yeah, the, the the world press um, exhibition. I, I went to to oh. take a look at that, and the um, well something else. I, I won't go into the details. But <laughs> what I did was I just took the battery grip off the five D and stuck one lens on it, and and that's really for me. It's small enough. Yeah. And so I, you know, I I can make I can make what I've got work, um, but yeah, I mean, to, going back to your question though, I mean, yeah, it's I'm sure that some people are going to want to, even if it is an additional camera, um, they're they're very uh, attractive cameras, and and it, they've got the the functionality that a lot of people are probably going to be drooling after as well. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's going to tip some people, even if it's not tipping them over or. Uh, you know their their new their their original system. Yeah, um, I like yeah. I like your uh, 
I, what's the opposite of binary? What is the I like I like your term of of binary, the the either or on off black white. But yeah. what's the opposite of binary? I don't know. Analog? Let's make up a word. Analog. Analog. It's got to be the <laughs> there. Opposite. We go. You know, I think the A sixty feet five hundred with the uh, now that it has image stabilization, it is probably one of the best vacation cameras that you mm-hmm. can get because it's unbelievably capable. But like I said, if you're gonna do sports, you can get it done. But if you're gonna do paid assignments it only has one card slot so you know that's a bit of a problem the headphone jack if you want to do video that's a little bit of a problem and yeah. i think you know the form factor it's it's getting a little silly now it's a little too point and shoot tiny for yeah. as capable as it is it, they need to like just bulk it up just a little bit make See, that's the, the old man in you talking in my day <laughs> cameras were substantial you had to have a wheelbarrow to carry them well, around <laughs> see they're pushing these things for sports and like we said this isn't even the biggest lens you can get and so having a tiny camera uh, on a giant lens is just usability wise doesn't yeah, no. work it's, it's the not balance as doesn't ideal work. you're right yeah the balance totally doesn't work yeah on some of my cameras um i, yeah, I still have all my nikon glass so i'll put my old 7200 on on a small mirrorless camera it just looks ridiculous you're like what i mean that like not that you care what it looks like but it's just off balance and it doesn't feel right in your hand it just feels weird but then if you put the nikon 7200 on a you know one of the f series bodies then you're good to go it feels i mean you want to put that thing on your shoulder and launch a rocket out of it <laughs> exactly like that the d500 and this is a don't my recommendation don't spend almost $400 for Nikon's ridiculous vertical grip this one is from a company called Mikey I think M-E-I-K-E and there's ones from Niwer etc works about 90% as good as the real thing and it was like $80 versus $300 yeah you know and I got it mostly because I have the Nikon name on it though you don't get that both of you guys have mentioned having giant hands on this show are you like watching the U.S. presidential elections I mean what's (laughs) What is going on with that? I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Hey, we're recording (laughs) this the day after the second presidential debate. There's been no wall references yet. No, I'm not making any. I'm not. I mean, you know, our our elections need to be PG-13. So they are no longer TWIP family or TWIP friendly because TWIP is a family show. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about some new stuff that the big Google has announced. It's that time of year again. It's time for the five-day deal complete photography bundle for 2016. Every year, the crack team at Five Day Deal assemble an all-star cast of photographic educators and software makers to bring you a huge bundle of photography products at a ridiculously low price. And this year, the bundle is even cheaper. This is no joke. They're basically giving away $2,733 worth of photography software and training for just $97. That's a 96% discount. Let me say that again. You get access to over $2,700 worth of stuff for $97. Even if you're not a photographer, this is an awesome gift for almost any creative person. But there's a catch, isn't there always? They call this promotion the five-day deal for a reason. You can only get this bundle between October 14th at noon and October 19th at noon. After that, the five-day deal team are contractually obligated to dissolve the bundle and turn it off forever. So, to secure your access now before the deal is over, just head over to twip.pro/5dd. That's twip.pro/5dd. All right, we are back. The story number 2 is about Google. So, Google made no bones about talking about some of the shortcomings of the iPhone 7 when it came to their brand new Pixel phone. 
So, and one of them was, did you guys watch the little commercial? So you ran this little commercial that, and in their little keynote, they, they were like, uh, they were basically going down the feature list and they'd say, it has this thing. It's, and that's new. It has this, that's new. It has this, that's new. It has a headphone jack, not new. (laughs) (laughs) So they kept doing those kind of jabs at Apple. So Google has this pixel phone. The cool thing, the interesting thing about this phone for this week in photo is they're claiming it has the best according to dxo labs it has the best mobile phone camera of any camera out there right now including iphone 7 so i don't know you know i'm not a pixel peeper i'm not going to get into like well the contrast is 0.007 microns better than on this but they're saying it's better Martin, what do you what do you think? Does this you're, are you an iPhone guy or an Android guy? I'm an iPhone guy. I've got my nice iPhone Seven Plus right here. Oh, you got it. Oh, yeah. so now do you have buyer's remorse now that Google has announced the Pixel phone? Nah, nah. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I I respect Google. I think that they they're onto something with this. Of course, they they're going to make it work. Um, but. They've got a lot of years of catching up to do um, with, you know, with regards to the iPhone. And there's a lot of people out there that are already drinking the Apple Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's gonna, you wouldn't really, it's the same as with cameras. You know, I'm just happy with this. And, and something else coming out is not going to make me think, okay, well, I don't need my iPhone anymore. Um, every iter- every iteration, the glue gets a little bit stronger, doesn't it? It does. A little bit stronger. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I... Mean, I, I I really just, if you're happy with something and, and it's working, I I don't see that it's going to pull me over. Um, I I definitely think that, like like I say, you know, the, if you look at the the ecosystem that Google are building here with all of the various um, devices that they're they're talking about, I think that they're, they're going to have, especially if you if you're drinking the Google Kool Aid, then they're, they're going to have a lot of people that are, are just going to jump all over this, um, yeah. and I think that. You know the worldwide share. There, there are a lot of people that love Apple and iPhones and everything that Apple do, but there are a lot of people that really don't. And those right. those people are all, probably all thinking, "Oh yes, finally we've got we've got a, a real ecosystem, and it's it's all going to be great." Um, you know, of course, there, there's concerns because Google tend to change things quite quite a lot. But it looks <laughs> or change as in cancel, you mean? <laughs> but but I, I don't. I mean, I, I've got to think that they that they're going to be more serious about this. They're not. It's yeah. not a pet project. It's something that it's they're obvious. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you can't you can't really just say, okay, well, well actually, we're going to change the OS and we're going to take away all of those things that you that you're used to now. They might do certain things gradually, and, and Apple do as well. But. Um, I think I think it's going to be great, especially if you're not in the in the Apple camp. Um, whether it's going to make everyone think, okay, well, I don't need my iPhone anymore. I'm going to go and get this this new Google gear. Um, it's probably not going to happen. But over time, you never know. And and if people are on the fence about which one they want, or they simply don't want to buy Apple products, this sounds great. Yeah. No. No. I agree. Yeah. There's. In, it, it's back to that or thing again, right? Mm. So now it's going to be Pixel phone versus the iPhone Seven. Which one is better? Well, mine does this and mine does mm. that. You know, <laughs> totally forgetting about the whole purpose of these devices is to make your life easier, not to line the pockets of the shareholders, right? Mm. Sharky, mm. Sharky, what are you? Are you a uh, you iPhone or Android dude? Back to I'm the an, whole binary. I'm thing. an iPhone guy. And a uh, hardcore Mac guy from the beginning. So, you know, the whole Mac versus PC thing is kind of done because we moved away from 
desktop computers largely, Into right? The cloud, yeah, yeah. So you know, I was I was listening to um, our friend Leo Laporte's uh, show, The Tech Guy. I've heard of that guy. Yeah, yeah you've been on his show a bunch of times, right? Yeah. And um, he was talking about how Android. You know, Google bought the company that created the Android operating system, and it's been out for a while now and they beat Microsoft like that. The Android Google phones came out about a year after the, the iPhone, I believe. And, uh, Microsoft didn't, you know, they sat around for like three years. So two years after Google came out with the Android phones, they did that. And by that point, the ship had sailed, Yeah, you know? And so you've got a phone now with this pixel, which, you know, we're obviously this is this week in photo. So we're talking about the photography aspect. Sure. Yeah. It's, Obviously, you know, it's been tested as being better as the iPhone. Like you said, how much better? No one really is going to be able to tell. You know I mean? Like you're shooting whatever you're shooting, your cat with this. Is it really going to be that much better? Are your Instagram cat photos going to be like amazing with this? No. It's got some yeah. HDR stuff in it, which looks pretty cool. In the, but if you look at it, take zoom out to use it this week in photo term or photography term. Um, you're looking at Pixel 1 versus iPhone 7. Right, mm. so this is this is a version one, which which cuts both ways, right? So they're jumping into the market and making something that's competitive with something that's been on the market for all of these years and all these iterations. That's that's a plus on the Google side. A negative on the Google side is never buy a version one of anything, right? So <laughs> so you know we'll we'll wait and see. But it's good to have competition out there. I think Apple definitely needs the competition. We thought maybe Samsung was gonna give Apple some competition. Those but things were on fire. They're they're Literally. making pocket warmers and we don't really need more pocket warmers. <laughs> and even version two supposedly is catching fire. Yeah. Allegedly. Those phones are selling like hotcakes. <laughs> they're crazy. But you know, with this with this phone, you've got another option. You know, like I'm in the Apple Mac ecosystem. So like Martin said, you know, everything's cohesive and, and just works, right? With mm-hmm. Apple stuff. You know, we always say we drink the Kool-Aid, right? So it just works. It doesn't always just work, but it mostly it works. Yeah. Well, so. I think I think the the other thing is I'm happy that Google is doing this because like you mentioned, Sharky, in their announcement, they announced a whole slew of things from this phone to uh, VR goggles to the Wi-Fi router extension system to a Amazon Alexa. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, Rename sorry, it. people. Cynthia. <laughs> wait, wait. People all over the world. Alexa. I just turned on everybody's Alexis. Um, so, <laughs> so you're mean. So, so I mean, they came they came out with a with a competitor to the Echo, which is which is great. But I was looking at that. I was drooling watching the keynote because I was like, why hasn't Apple? I know they're reportedly working on a, an Alexa or Echo type device, but. I need that to work now. You know, I want because I have an Echo. I have Nest in the house, which connects to the Echo, but not to Siri. And I've got an Apple TV that, you know, I can see over here, but I can't, you know, it's disjointed and disconnected. And they promised us two years ago this smart home thing with the Apple TV as the hub. And I haven't seen it yet. And all these other companies like Google and even Amazon are out innovating Apple now. So, so we're talking about the Internet of Things, yeah. as it's called. So everything's connected. You must have a great data plan because those Nest things, aren't those like constantly or the 
What the, am cameras, I thinking the cameras, the cameras are constantly. The net, well, you mine aren't constantly on. Mine are set to come on if I leave the house. <laughs> then they come on, <laughs> uh, and yeah, the thermostats, you know, they do their thing. But yeah, no, the you're right. That was that was the thing that I found out after I bought these things. Sorry, Sharky, the Nest cams for folks that don't know. Um, when you install them, they default to always streaming data. So I had three of them going, and I'm like, why is everything in my house slow now? Because these things are streaming data to no one that's watching it, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, you gotta, I ended up turning it off. My assumption when I bought them was they're going to, you know, like a security camera, they will activate when they see motion and then record it and then go off when they don't see motion. They don't do that. <laughs> so I'm like, what good are you? you know? If you want to tune in to see nothing, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. And then all this, you know, then I started watching all this Snowden stuff, and I'm like, and I got paranoid about all my cameras, so I turned them all off. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I've got tape over my cams on my computers, because people can can hack into this stuff. There was was a famous case where somebody uh, was walking down the hall, and they heard a male voice coming from their little child, little, like, two-year-old girl's room, and it was a man that was talking through the computer that had hacked it and was talking derogatorily to the little girl oh i would be under the jail if i found that dude man yeah (laughs) so you know there's not survive talking to my daughter (laughs) there's considerations there for sure oh good grief yeah i don't know anyway that was my rant i want everything to work and i i still say that all of us we were just born too early you know those kids today have it good because by the time they're ready to buy all this stuff it's going to be perfect and seamless yes Artificial intelligence may destroy the world, but at least they will have have Siri. If our self-driving cars don't kill us. Yes. Yeah. Well, AI will take over those, too. All right. Well, Pixel Phone, Twip listeners, Twip Army, go check out the Pixel Phone and all the stuff that Google announced. Like I said, they announced a bunch of new things. They did a... It was like an hour plus long keynote where they in, unveiled an entire kind of in, interconnected hardware ecosystem, the phones, an intelligent speaker, which is that Alexa thing, a VR headset, Wi-Fi routers that you can put these little basically nodes all over your house to extend your Wi-Fi out, um, a new updated, what is it, the Google, what is that, Chrome thing that plugs into your TV? They updated Chromecast. that. Chromecast. Chromecast, Chromecast thank you. Yeah. yeah, the Chromecast. They updated that and... They updated the Google Assistant, which is now native on the Pixel phone, which looked pretty cool. It's a thing mm. where you can actually just basically have a conversation with it. It's AI. You have this conversation with it and say, yeah, hey, uh, AI, you know, book me. You know, what, what's a good restaurant downtown San Francisco over in this particular neighborhood? And it'll tell you. And then you say, yeah, make me a listing. Book me a table for two at, you know, it's, Nine o'clock at this one, it'll do it. Give me an Uber, it'll grab it. All that stuff. So unlike Siri, which is completely useless. Yeah, I can't even get Siri to set a timer, man. Like, I just, I did. We, we were doing a test yesterday. I have a, I have a, a an Alexa in the kitchen, and I have my watch here. So I'm like, okay, let's do a test. Let's race them. Yeah, I'm like, set a timer for ten minutes. Alexa, set a timer for ten minutes. Okay, timer set for ten minutes. My watch is still spinning and waiting. You know, it was like two minutes into the ten minute timer <laughs> before it registered. Mm. It's not wants, acceptable. Not Siri acceptable. just goes online, uses what Wolfram Alpha or whatever to right. look it up. Let me look up setting a timer for you. No, Siri, just set the darn timer. Yes, mm. yes, useless. Yeah, bugs me. Anyway, <laughs> all right, that's enough about Google. Let's move on to story number three, which is about Zoom. 
Have you guys seen this thing, the Q8? It's an all-in-one audio video recorder, which is kind of cool. It looks like a little micro-transformer. Like, you know, Zoom are the guys that make the, the H4n, the H6, you know, those, those digital audio recorders and a bunch of other cool stuff. I use the H6, I think. That's the one I have. But uh, they introduced this this basically hybrid thing that shoots video, um, audio, like 160-degree wide-angle lens on this thing, interchangeable mics. It's like, I don't know. It's like the, jeez, uh, what is it? It's kind of like a like the ultimate podcaster throw-in-your-bag device, if it works <laughs> as advertised, because I haven't seen one. Martin, you've seen this thing. You've seen the video. I know you don't have one. I don't know if you do or not, but what do you think? Does this tempt you to go push by now? Nope. Um, <laughs> nope. Simple, nope. simple reason. You know, I I love Zoom. I like uh, Sharky and I also, we have the, the H6s. I'm I'm doing a backup of this show right now on an H6, and I, I take it everywhere with me. Um, I've... I used to have the H2, I had the IQ, whatever. I've had a stream of Zoom devices. But in 2016, I'm not buying any video camera that's not 4K. So Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. it for me. Um, It has like the, what do they call it, the 3M or something? It's 2,000-something pixels. Um, It's it's close, but for me, you know, literally, if I'm going to buy a new video camera right now, even my phone now has 4K, um, I'm I'm not buying going to buy anything that has 4K. And it doesn't matter how good the sound is. Um, so sorry, Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I mean, yeah, it's like the Zoom Q9 will be the 4K version, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, thing this is, thing. What is there it was cost? there I'm was a previous the price. It's 350 bucks. Oh, 350. Okay, cool. Yeah, 350 US. And you know, this is the the I believe the second iteration. Now there was a Zoom Q4n uh, that came out last uh, this last January 2016. And so this is a more beefed up version of it and has the XY capsule mics, which are great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, you know, it might be this is geared towards vloggers and, you know, even uh, news crews. You know, not not everyone is capturing 4K at the moment. And a lot of television broadcasters broadcast in 720p still, mm. yeah. you know, not even yeah. full HD, which is another name for 1080p. So for a lot of people, this might be, a, you know, like a temporary kind of like Band-Aid, like it looks pretty cool. Three hundred fifty bucks. I don't know. I mean, it can also be used as a four-channel uh, audio recorder too. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, would, would this replace your H six or no? No. Yeah. See, then why not just? <laughs> but if I didn't have one, if I had multiple needs, if I was out uh, doing video and I needed something that did everything, and I also, you know, like let's say you're a podcaster, you mm-hmm. are a podcaster. I'm a podcaster, and we needed to record it, and we didn't want to spend four hundred bucks or whatever it is for an H. Uh, or what is a Zoom H6. Uh, yeah, the H6. You could get this, and you've got video in it as well. You know, and it, you can plug in XLR marks, uh, mics, two XLR mics into it, It's and TRS connection, so you can do line in. It also provides phantom power, so it's very capable. Yeah, you, you, can, and for, you could use it as a webcam as well, right? You can plug yeah, it into you, your Mac. and yeah. you can. There's many uses for this thing. So if you're a vlogger and you don't have video gear and you don't have audio gear, this might be a good way in. Yeah. But for everyone else who's already doing it, and or you want more features, you want the avail- availability to have uh, 4K video in the future, this isn't going to be it. But for everyone else, which is a lot of people, 
You know, not everyone's a pro, uh, you know, we're all in the, in the pro podcasting business, but right? But still, even then, even then, I mean, I have, I've got cameras, I've got, you know, the, the H6 and the different modules for it and all that, which I use often. Uh, but when I look at this thing, I'm not looking at it from a replacement standpoint. I'm looking at it from the standpoint of this thing would actually, I'm always looking for ways to downsize my kit and to have my kit have the fewest components in it possible so that I could do whatever I need. I want to, ultimately, I want to have one very reasonably lightweight bag that I can just grab and not have to worry about, well, did I have my audio gear in there? Mm. Oh, my mics are not in that. You know, I want to have one bag that always has everything I need in it and I don't have to change anything. This, I think, gets us closer to that, kind of, because with this mm. thing, you can do multi, it's multi-purpose. As they say, it's the total package. You, you know, the, the other thing that I should add, I mean, to my comment a moment ago is that I I have, even though I'm now doing um, video slideshows and things, I always do them in 4K now, I still have inserted 1080p video and it does look okay. So, yeah. you know, it's it's not, if they've gone to this 3M thing, it's probably still going to be useful, but... For me personally, I I just want to, if I'm going to be shooting, if I'm going to be buying something new, then I I want it to be 4K now. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you want to feature proof. That makes bad. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nor, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I was, uh, I did an interview a while back that I messed up. It <laughs> <So laughs> <That> happens. Because, oh, yeah. Just, I don't even want to talk about it. But I, <laughs> let's just say I messed it up. I messed up interview and it ended up, I ended up only being able to use the audio from it, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, it, part of me messing it up was I shot the thing in 4K. Well, the biggest problem was I got a new camera in the mail that day and I decided, oh, a new camera just showed up. Let me use this on this unrepeatable job. Rookie mistake, right? That's always so, bad. Oh, God. Don't even get me started. So, <laughs> so I, I shot this thing, but I, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to shoot it in 4K. This thing shoots 4K. You know, let's, let's roll with it. I get it back. Normally, I can sit down on the couch, throw on some Netflix, get my MacBook Pro, and edit, right? Because usually these things are like 20, 30 minutes mm. and edit. My MacBook Pro, I'm like, what the hell? I'm in Premiere Pro. <laughs> it's like chugging and fans are coming it on. started and, smoking. Yeah, it's like smoking and I saw a little tear come out of the side. Oh. I'm like, what is going on? And I look and I had it at full res. You know, you can drop the res down on the preview. I had it at full res and I was editing 4K files in it. So it was just choking. Mm. I'm like, and why am I even shooting 4K on this thing? It was like a, it was a head and shoulders interview. I'm like, why do I need 4K? It's just making my life unnecessarily hard. I was like, I could have easily shot this whole thing in 720. It would have been beautiful and no one would have even cared, you know? Mm. And I would have been done instead of waiting for my computer. And then when I finally (laughs) did finish it, and I rendered, you know, the rendering. So I had to render Two months it out. later. Right, because I, I was going to put 4K on YouTube. So I was rendering it out to 1080. And that's like, you know, yeah, come back in three hours and it'll be done. So, yeah. So there's the moral of the story, Martin, is you don't always need to shoot 4K. You have no, to you consider don't. the end results. Yeah. Know? But I get you. You want to be able to do it if you need to. Yeah. You know, the thing is for me is that, and, and I have to put this in perspective, is that I generally, when I'm doing video and things, I don't do interviews like that. And if I did, I would probably shoot them in 1080p anyway. Um, but I, I, I'm i often doing what I call moving stills. And I'll just set the camera up and I'll be photographing a scene, a, maybe a, a snowstorm or something. 
And f- so for me, it's, it's just like with my still f- f- photographs. I'm really enjoying having 50 megapixels now because I can print them really big. And yeah. if I'm going to be going to the trouble to get to some of the locations that I go to, then I just want to future-proof the work. And I think that in a few years' time, when everything is going to be 4K, well, everything's going to be 8K and probably 16K or whatever by the time we're done. Totally. Um, so, you know, so, well, things, things are progressing. And for me, it's always about future-proofing. So that's why I'm saying that if I was to buy something now in 2016, I want it to be 4, 4K. Totally makes um, sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just because I'm, I'm usually thinking about, um, about sort of the artistic fo- the photograph as opposed to um, some of the, the use cases that you guys have mentioned, which is, yeah. you know, which is very valid cases and probably what this camera is aimed, aimed at. You looking at looking at this camera, it I mean if you're talking about future proofing, I doubt if you bought this camera that you would be holding on to it in two years from now, to be honest with you. There'd be no, a it's Q9, not the camera, Q10, it's, Q11. it's the footage. Well, yeah, you're right. The footage, yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. 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 Because you're not gonna you can't go back in time and recapture that in four K. Exactly. It's really surprising they came out with something that's not four K. Everyone looks for that four K, you know, term. And if it doesn't yeah. have four K, it's like I'm not interested. Do you that, say that, that was that was my reaction. A lot of people won't even consider it. Does the Canon 5D Mark IV shoot 4K? <laughs> the Mark, the 5D Mark IV does. The 5DSs don't. The 5DSs no. don't. Okay. No, no. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just a flub. Like these days, anything that doesn't shoot 4K, because only uh, the main thing is because all of our phones shoot 4K, which we kind of mm. look at as the lowest common denominator. You know, if my phone can do it, you should be able to do it nine times better, and not, mm. I don't have to. You know, you shouldn't have to make sacrifices these mm. days because it's not that hard. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I want to get you guys' pick of the week. I know you guys have some interesting stuff to talk about this week. So let's take a quick break. Hey, TWIP Army, here's a quick plea for support. For the better part of a decade, we have been consistently publishing quality podcasts for amateur and professional photographers around the world. Literally millions of photographers have enjoyed, been entertained, and educated from TWIP podcasts over the years. Last year, we decided that to better serve the photography community, TWIP would need to split out into several genre-based shows to serve alongside the main show. Twip. The response has been just amazing. Clearly, it was the right thing to do, but it's not cheap either. It costs money to keep things rolling, and so far, I've been essentially bootstrapping the network, and the show hosts have largely been operating as volunteers. So, Twip Army, we need your help to keep the network going and growing. So, I've decided to use Patreon to drive this effort. By donating just a few dollars a month, you'll allow us to not only keep the shows on the air, but also to significantly increase the quality of production, editing, guests, and more. If everyone in the audience gave us just $2 a month, we'd be in fantastic shape. And that works out to just a dime or 10 cents per show. And at the $5 a month level, the network can really grow. We can improve and add even more shows. So if you can, we hope you'll consider backing TWIP on Patreon. And I'd like to thank you in advance for helping us make a great resource for photographers. You can support TWIP at twip.pro slash donate. That's twip.pro slash donate. All right, we are back. Let's jump into the Pick of the Week segment. Remember, you guys can recommend anything to the TWIP army as long as it is somehow related to photography Sharky James, I'm going to let you go first, man. What's your pick of the week? 
My pick of the week is Michael Bass Designs. And so you can type in Michael Bass Designs in Google, or it's actually michaelbass.blogspot.com. And you're like, Blogspot? It's a, what is it? Like a blog? I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. This guy is a dentist by profession. His son is a photojournalist. And th- one of the hidden secrets in the photo world is that a lot of the, well, now former SI guys use Michael Bass. He's like, he's like the MacGyver of the photo industry. He will create custom cords for you, like if you're doing off-camera flash or triggers. Okay, all this is going to cool be the things. best pick of the week ever. <laughs> Thank you. This is cool. You, you, I had him. This is if you go to uh, the page that says dual flash, and you scroll down to there's the, an enduro. It's like an AM24 um, monopod-based uh, dual flash system. That's my actual. I don't have it anymore. I ended up selling it to somebody who shoots a lot of rodeos. I had when I was shooting high school football, and this was the D. This was four or five years ago when I was a photojournalist with a D seven hundred. I did what a lot of people you're not supposed to do. I shot uh, night football, high school football with flash. And the previous photojournalist that well, uh, he ended up leaving, but there was two of us at the time. He convinced them to let us use flash, and so I carried that along. And I thought, you know what? What's better than one SB nine hundred? Two SB nine hundreds. So instead of instead of shooting at a quarter power, you know, every time the flash cycles up, you have a uh, uh, you know you can get four pops of the flash. I thought if I had two SB nine hundreds, I could dial down to you know eighth power, or I could have them both at a quarter power, and I've got essentially half power of flash. So you can put more light downrange with this, a lot more light, you know, by having two flashes. I was shooting ISO eight hundred night football at the best fields. Other fields were ISO sixteen hundred. And because the flash, because they're offset, if you see, you have to go on thisweekinphoto.com or on the YouTube, uh, or on YouTube and look at This Week in Photo. What's this, episode 486? Yeah, 486. And you'll see that you've got these two, you, you mounted on the monopod, two side-by-side flashes, and they're about, I don't know, it was like about a, uh, eight inches or so apart, and you can angle them a little bit. I would shoot rodeos and night football with this, and since it's hitting, you can angle them, and you can hit the, uh, the lights hitting the subject from different angles. It has a crispness that you don't usually get. Now, now you would shoot high ISOs and, you know, with the Nikon D500 or D5, whatever else. But this is just one of the things he can create for you. Um, and he, but and with got, that, you, those, those football players probably loved you blinding them with, the, no, with, here's the, with Thor's hammer on the other <laughs> end of the field. <laughs> here's the, our other photojournalist was using one of those giant Q flashes, which was putting out a lot more light. Oh, People, okay. you think that, but the, the, unless, you know, you know when to shoot and when not with the flash, but for the most part, the players don't see the light. I've asked them later and they're like, what flash? I didn't even know you used flash mm-hmm. because they're concentrating on, you know, getting towards the end zone and I'm not in the end zone all the time. Yeah. And yeah. so wow. Michael Bass designs, he can create just about anything for you. I mean, he's got like, uh, what is there? There's TTL solutions. There's, uh, just everything you name it. He can do it. That's and so crazy. you've got to just drill through the site for like an hour or two and just marvel at the like most amazing solutions. We you talk just about ruined pain my points. evening, man. You just ruined my evening. I had all <laughs> I was all set to go watch the latest episode of Westworld, and now I have to go to the site. <laughs> like and listen to Westworld while you do this. But look, <laughs> j- drill through the custom project section and see what he's had he's done for SI guys and. This is the a secret, you know, it's like he's a dentist. So, you know, you're going to wait a while. I had to wait a while to get it done. But just whatever you can imagine, pretty much, if it exists and he can do it, he'll do it. He can pre, he can wire your flashes like hardwired into a battery. He can do just 
so basically, anything. So basically, he's like Q for photographers. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah okay. that's probably that's probably better than than MacGyver reference there. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so just updating he, it a little bit. For yeah, you. you've got <laughs> updating back to the 1960s. <laughs> hey, Q is now is still relevant. You know? That's true. Uh, MacGyver's gone. Yeah, but uh, don't say that too loud because Hollywood's looking for things to remake. <laughs> don't, don't oh, great! They'll, they'll be doing that. But you've got to check out this site. Pre-triggers, all kinds. Of, if you need a, a custom length for your uh, off-camera flash cord, or you need just different ways to sync your flash with this, that, and the other. I mean, you can probably sync it to a potato. I don't know. I love <laughs> it's it. It's just I insane. It. You're gonna have so much fun looking at, it. and it's a very basic looking this. site. I got to share this with my neighbor Matt next door to me. He's uh, he, I call him Doc Brown. Because in his garage, he's got like, he, he can make stuff. He's, he loves yeah. to tinker with stuff. So he would love this site. I'm going to send it to him tonight. I go over there when I need, like, like he helps me with my mic, my lav mic cables. I'm like, dude, you know, I got this, this audio technica cable, technica cable, and it's like 900 feet long. I just need it to be three feet. And he, like, does the tinkering <laughs> and shrink wraps the wire and all that stuff for me. So not uh, a bad pick of the week, huh, Frederick? That is an I, awesome I, I pick come, of the week. I dug deep. I was like, what could I pick for this time around? I'm like, you know what? This is something most you people hit, haven't you heard hit of. All, you hit all. It's unique, not expensive, and, you know, you hit all the, you hit all the right points. So perfect. <laughs> Very good. You got a Martin. I don't know. Sharky's a tough act to follow, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to um, make the, your, your listeners spend lots of money. Um, so <laughs> oh, filters! And this is this is actually a nice domestic one for for you as well, Frederick. Because I'm I'm going to recommend Breakthrough Filters or Breakthrough Photography. They're uh, I think they're in San Francisco. Oh, good. Um, I I've just ordered the new Canon 24 to 105 f4 lens that the, that's coming out, and for the first time in a while, I needed some 77 millimeter filters. So I decided to go, I, I bought the a 10 stop neutral density from Breakthrough Photography um, about six months ago. I was using it in Iceland and it, amazing quality. And these things, I bought the X4 system um, and I believe this is just about the knurling around the, around the, um, the filters themselves. But yep. uh, these things, they're, they're beautifully designed um, they're really very uh, total, totally neutral, and um, you know, I mean, I've, I've got one here. I know that people listening aren't going to be able to uh, see this, but they're really just very, very well designed filters. So I've just picked up the um, the UV as a protector, and a three stop, a six stop, and a ten stop ND, and their polarizer. And that, of so, course, Martin, you got to set- gotta tell me though. You got to tell me because yeah. I don't know much about this photography stuff. So <laughs> why, you know, it seems that we talk a lot about uh, uh, about sensitivity of sensors and having low light sensitivity and all this. Why on earth would you put something in front of your lens to reduce the amount of light coming in? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that no, was me setting no, the baseball I, on the tee ball for you. <laughs> it's Mister Segway. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. I, of course, it's uh, it's to give me long exposures. Um, a yeah. three stop or a six stop is great for like one second um, waterfall photos, for example. Uh, a ten stop will give you like a minute of exposure in the middle of the day. If you couple that with a three stop, you'll get two <laughs> minutes. And you know, depending on the, light, the obviously the ambient light coming into your camera. But I just really enjoy long exposure photography and. You know, you get the clouds moving across the sky and yeah. 30 seconds to two minutes or so 
uh, depending on the amount of movement in the sky, can give you a beautiful sort of soft sky that's uh, all blurred. And the water as well, I, I love doing seascapes with really smooth water. Um, but the, the great thing about these, land, these uh, filters is that the, the neutral densities are not only totally neutral, no colour cast, um, but they're actually quite cheap. I've I've spent more than the the price of these lenses, uh, these filters, for you know, a lot of the time I, I've been buying um, Kenko, which is a Japanese brand. I think they're mm-hmm. often marketed as Hoya in the US, yeah. um, and they're great filters too. But they're actually quite expensive, and and the they don't always have the uh, the rating that I like. I like how the breakthrough photography people have just started calling them a three stop and a six stop and a ten stop instead of being, an, you know, an ND four hundred or a, or a whatever ten thousand. I mean, just call them stops. Most photographers are working in stops anyway, so um, yeah, great quality stuff. Um, there. So Martin, on these on these, so when you say quality, mm. you mentioned you mentioned you know some of the parameters that define quality in indie filter and that's mm. they don't they don't adjust your color they're color neutral yeah. right so is that the main thing or is it consistency from edge to edge or what how do you know when you get a cheap one like if i buy a neutral density filter on amazon for 20 bucks versus one of these uh-oh did we lose martin i think we did no i needed that question <laughs> answered <laughs> Come back, Martin. That was a cliffhanger. Uh-oh. All right. Let's hope, hopefully Martin will come back and answer that. Looks like we may have lost him. They're good oh. quality. That's the point. All right, yeah. Sharky, you answer that. How do you know? How do you know how do you know when you can get a good quality neutral density filter versus crap? You have to you have to take some test shots and you have to do some pixel peeping, right? Yeah. To, just to see if you really care about that. Most people aren't going to notice. These days, the manufacturing processes of these or is it processes, as Martin would say, of, of these, uh, of anything glass is, you know, unless it's a really jank brand, you're going to get some good stuff these days. You're going to get zero color cast. You know, you're going to, like, these are the ones to get is what Martin Bailey is saying. You know, he's, yeah. he's done a lot of this work. I shoot mostly sports. So I'm going to defer to the very frozen right now, Martin Bailey. Yeah. You know, yeah. if he ever comes back. <laughs> but, you know what I say about when, when, Things like neutral density, I, I think this applies to everything. I was going to say, you know, always try, the, try to buy the best quality you can possibly get. And when it comes to especially something like a neutral density filter, something that you're putting on a lens that you probably paid a lot of money for that's attached to a camera that you probably paid a lot of money for for its superior image quality, you probably don't want to go put some cheap glass that you got on the front of it that kind of negates having all that that quality downstream from it four right? words buy once cry once oh. right you know you've have you heard that term before i've never heard that well yeah. look at like you always talk uh, here because i listened to this week in photo right buy um, once cry buy once. once cry once look at tripods for instance you know how many of us have bought really crappy tripods <laughs> for like a hundred dollars and you end up buying six of them over 10 years why mm-hmm. not just spend 400 and get a really good one so you yeah. buy once you cry once I like and then that. you've got it. So, is that kind of like measure twice, cut once? It's kind of like that, but not. 
<laughs> so if you we know, were carpenters, it would fit, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, with tripods, you could get away with putting your camera on a really crappy tripod. You know, Scott Bourne used to say, "What you don't put a ten dollar hat on a hundred dollar head, or something like that, or whatever he, whatever Scott says." He's got all the right. <laughs> Scott's got all kinds of terms and stuff. He totally but, does. But you could get away with putting your expensive camera on a really cheap tripod as long as you keep an eye on it, make sure it doesn't fall. You're okay. Yeah. But, but why would you do that? Yeah, if you can't afford anything better, yeah. But yeah, buy the for these kind of things, buy the best thing you well, can yeah, possibly get. Anything you're going to put in the optical chain, it's called, mm-hmm. should be good quality. And it's, it's like getting, uh, but you wouldn't put, you know, $50 tires on a Ferrari. That's true. That's right? True. So, and then with this, if your quality is important, you know, you've got this expensive camera, which is two, three grand or whatever, and you've got a $2,000 lens, you don't go putting cheap. $20 filters on the front. Totally. I don't use UV filters. I believe in lens hoods. Mm-hmm. No. You know, if you do crack that front element, it's the cheapest to fix. We did. Oh, my God. We did. I, we did a show a couple of years ago. We were talking about UV filters and should you put one on there? And I I brought up the fact that, again, you have this expensive, beautiful lens with with you know, precision elements inside of it that's attached to this supercomputer with a with a sensor in there, and then you go and you put this UV filter on the front of it. It's like putting plastic on your furniture in the living room, right? When I started, before the Petapixel Photography Podcast, I had another podcast, Lens Shark Pot- Photography Podcast. I, and I believe that. the very first episode I talked about uh, these filters and that UV issue, and my good friend, Paul Giroux, who I've known for 20 plus years now, he's a Sony artisan. He's been a photojournalist forever. He said, well, you know, there are, Mike, there are, Sharky, Mike, he calls me Mike. You can, there are times where you should put a UV filter on. He goes, you know, I live in Ladera Ranch, California. He's shooting at the beach a lot. And that's where you want a UV filter. Mm-hmm. You want to protect that front element because there's, you got a lot of spray. You've got a lot of, you know, fine sure. grain. Yeah. You'd rather that take it. Than the front element of your lens because you're gonna all That's that coating right. and everything for protection is get, like that. Yeah, but if you're protection. just out and about and you know taking normal photos, and some people say, yeah, put it on there in case you drop the lens. You know, it, it serves as an extra barrier of protection. But I don't know. Hey, there's Martin back. And we're, <laughs> we were, we're talking still about talk, you. We're still talking about the same thing, Martin. So you dropped off. <laughs> I was asking you. Uh, how do you know what a quality neutral density filter is versus a $20 one you get off of Amazon? And I vamped okay. for you. Well, I, thank you, guys. I, uh, I'm actually, I think I'm now speaking over my iPhone 7 because my internet has totally dropped out. You okay. sound great. Um, yeah. Okay, good stuff. So what I was going to say, I heard the question and then, and then I, could, I could actually, it was horrible. I could still hear you guys saying, where's Martin? And I'm saying, I can still hear you. I can still hear you. <laughs> Um, I'm here. So the thing, it's like you're the a thing ghost. Is, is, <laughs> they, what they've done is the the people at Breakthrough Photography, I believe they, um, you know, because based on feedback from the people that are using their gear, they've made these out of brass, um, and that mean they're actually really smooth to a, apply. You know, you the thread works really well. Um, they feel great, and the like I say, the X4. What I believe this is, it's the knurling. You have knurling around the entire circumference of the of the filter. And you know when you when you're in you're going into different temperatures and things. Sometimes your filters get jammed on the front of your lens, mm-hmm. and there's nothing worse than trying to get it off and it's all smooth and your fingers are slipping. <laughs> um, but when you've got this knurling around the whole, you know, 360 degree knurling, 
it just it makes it life a lot easier. They've thought oh, through how they're actually nice. making these things. And they've got a really beautiful coating. You probably can't see it, but there's there's this... I mean, it's, it's a, quite surprising that they're neutral because they've got like a golden-looking coat on them. Um, but they, they really do just work incredibly well. And um, I, I've been very happy with them. And that's why I just dropped $750 to them for, for, far, for five filters. Um, you know, so it's, but you, uh, if you great. take care of those filters, you won't be buying those filters again for quite a well, while, right? Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I mean, if you drop them and you mess them up yourself, you're you're out of luck. But these things actually come with a 30 year guarantee. I think it is. Um, no, hang on. 30 uh, years? I'll I, be actually, gone no, in actually, 20. I think it's. I think it's. A, I, think it's <laughs> I think it's a lifetime actually. Um, so I, I need to. You have to re, um, register them. They've all got a number. You have to go and register them on their website. Um, but I think once you've done that, it might not be 30 years. It might be, th- um, I think I've just looked at the... Might be 18 months. Sticker. We don't know. No, no, no. It's, it's either, th- <laughs> I think it's lifetime. Uh-huh. Um, what I was looking at was it says to, you've, got to, you've got to activate your warranty within 30 days. Um, but yeah, I think it's lifetime. Um, they just, they, they call it their ironclad warranty. So you got to uh, applaud that because a lot of times it's a year or two. Yeah, yeah. Or 30 you know, so that's great. They a, pro- a company that stands behind their product believes in these products. Right, yeah. exactly. That's cool. So, All right, yeah. and they're great and they're product. local to me too. Maybe uh, I wonder if they have a store here or if they're, you know, if Michael Bass just sells them out of his place. <laughs> now, Martin, <laughs> or, you no, have... no, Michael Bass is Sharkies. No, this is Breakthrough <laughs> Photography. I'm looking yeah. at the so the, they're, they're <laughs> actually at Breakthrough Dot Photography. It's one of those new new um, photography. Uh, I'm still trying to. So. I'm still trying to get used to those. <laughs> those. Somebody came on the site and said your 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 TLD is is misspelled in in you know on one of your sites. I'm like, what's a TLD? <laughs> top, top level domain. Top level domain. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, dude, come on. Why just say this? Say domain name. Nerd speak. <laughs> now, Martin, I've got a question for you. Do you use sure. uh, step down rings? Because you got 77 millimeter threads. Are all yeah. of your lenses 77? Because I know I've got some that are 72, some that are 77, some that are 58. Yeah, no, I don't. Um, I've got step down rings, but you can't use the lens hood when they're on. And what happens is, is if you can't get the lens hood on, then you're going to get more rain on there. Um, and although these things bead pretty nicely, they you know the water beads up. It's not going to beat up a you know Iceland rain, so I like to keep the hood on, and that's more difficult if you're using step down rings. Plus, at one hundred and fifty dollars, I generally I walk around with two filter pa- filter pouches, and I have eighty two millimeters in one and the seventy seven millimeters in another. But now I'm sa- I'm I'm not selling it. I'm, now I'm going to be using the twenty four to one hundred five instead of the twenty four to seventy. I actually just I only need seventy seven millimeters now. So that's it. Um, so it all works out. Yeah. So and that's why I went out and just bought the full set because these are great filters. All right, breakthrough photography X four filters. Buy once. What was your what was that that slogan? <laughs> they called it the ironclad <laughs> warranty. I think they call it. Oh my! No, you, you missed this, Martin. There's a there's a term. Oh, okay. You know how like when you buy a, a tripod and you buy a crappy hundred dollar one, you so you end up buying six of them over ten years. Yeah. You buy yeah. you spend four hundred dollars once, and then there's a saying called buy once, cry once. I had never heard that until this show. <laughs> and and what well, I that, came what with the goods mean? today, huh? <laughs> what was that? Well, what does it mean, though? I mean, so in, in words, spend four hundred. It might it might bring a tear to your eyes or oh, two to spend four hundred dollars instead of the yeah. hundred you wanted to. But you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna spend that four hundred dollars, you know, by buying four oh, tripods. Yeah. So buy one. Tri- tripods once. is a great example. Everyone buys two or three tripods before they actually we were get just to talking one. About that. Yeah, yeah. 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 
That's the example right there. Yeah. So, yeah. and then yeah. we, but Frederick and I were saying, Martin, that this goes in the optical chain, these filters. So unlike a cheap tripod that you can get away with as long as you keep an eye on it, what mm. you don't want a $50 filter or a $25 plastic filter. You want the best you can get if quality right. matters. And we're photographers, so that should matter. Yep. Right. Yep. Right. Love it. Great. Two great picks. One one MacGyver pick and and one breakthrough pick. You like called it. it you called it perhaps the best pick ever out of four hundred and eighty six episodes of This Week in Photo. I, but I we said heard you per, say that. Didn't I say perhaps? Perhaps. <laughs> it's it, it's at least in the top three, you might say, right? Remember remember I've been watching a lot of political <laughs> stuff, so I know how to say things without actually saying them. <laughs> very true, very true. So, you know, um, that could be, uh, you know, we could say that was one of the pe- best picks ever to occur on This Week in Photo. I don't know. I don't know. People are saying that <laughs> that was, was one of the was. best picks ever. <laughs> <laughs> Four out of five dentists agree. Yeah, I know. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. This show went lightning fast. Thanks you. Thanks to both of you guys for coming on. Uh, before we close the show, I want to find out traditionally what you guys are working on. Martin, what's coming up for you? Uh, you're you're clearly at home right now, but I have a feeling your bags are packed at the front door. What's uh What's coming yeah. up? Well, you know, I've I've just got back from Greenland and Iceland, and those places were amazing. Greenland was my first time, so that was uh, brilliant. We got breaching whales and everything. Um, <sighs> And I, uh, the next thing that I'm, I'm up to now, I, I've got my, my three winter Japan tours coming up. Um, the, the wildlife Snow monkeys. Have, yeah, the, the wildlife ones have been sold out for a while, but I've actually still got places on the landscape trip, if anyone's interested in that. Um, so uh, you can actually you can find that, that. That's all linked to from martinbaileyphotography.com, right? Yeah, it is. So just go over there. There's a tours and workshops page. Um, I've I've also had a cancellation on my Namibia tour in June next year, which is uh, so. If anyone's interested in an epic Namibia tour, like 17 days, um, that's going to be an incredible as well. So uh, check nice. out the tours and workshops section at uh, martinbaileyphotography.com. What about the Ooh. snow monkeys? When are you doing the snow monkeys again? I'm I, I'm doing those in. Um, January and February again, but the 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 2017 tour has been tours have been sold out for almost a year and a half, and my 2018 tours, one of them sold out, and the second is is almost sold out. So that's fantastic. The, the wildlife ones, if you if you want to do that, they're, they're linked there as well. But um, with the the openings that we've got now are for 2018. Those snow monkeys must know you by name by now, Martin. <laughs> you know, you know. I was watching. They're like, a- here he comes again. Okay, go ahead, go ahead and start grooming. Martin's yeah. coming. <laughs> yeah. Do I you was see watching the same a, monkeys? Um, a video or something the other day. I think it was. It was. It was at the press com- the uh, press photographers um, exhibition. There was a probably only in Japan, but the Asahi newspaper had had a, a, a video stream thing going. And a couple of snow monkeys came up, and I said, "I know that one." You can tell their their face, their, their expressions, and they're all slightly oh, really? different. So they are so you're cool. seeing you're seeing the same snow monkeys every year you go back. Like, how many of them are you seeing that are that you've seen the previous year? Oh well, the the alpha male is he's often the alpha male for three or four years, so you get used to to seeing him. Um, and they're, they're, I mean, obviously you, they all, there's 200 or so, 250 or so in the troop. And so, you know, and, but there's only a certain number that like to bathe in the pool. So it's, uh, it's one of these things where you, you do get to see the same ones. Um, there's, there's one, for example, that has a broken finger 
and he broke his he broke his <laughs> finger and and it can it, he can't bend it anymore. So he sits in the pool like this, or, you know. And I'm I'm doing and the bird. There thing. is our poster frame <laughs> right there. <laughs> so so literally, he sits there with his finger sticking up. And he's he's sort of looking at everyone with a finger sticking up, his middle finger. So that's really oh. funny. That's um, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I was watching this documentary, Martin, and they were talking about the snow monkeys, and they were saying that there's like a, a very somewhat intricate caste system with those guys, that the ones that actually get to bathe in the hot springs there mm. are kind of at the upper level, uh, you know, almost like royalty, and yeah. the other ones, if they try to get in there, they get kind of, you know... You, you know- you know, I'm not sure which is true, but the owners, I'm very good friends with the owners of the park. And I I stand there just, you know, while, while my group are, are photographing, sometimes when there's not so much going on, I'll just have a chat with them. And they say that that's actually not true. It's just that some of the monkeys like the bath and some don't. Um, there, there's certainly, there's rivalry, but... Yeah. It's like not all of them want to get into the bath, and and some of them are afraid of it. Um, I thought for but, a second you were saying you were having a conversation with the monkeys. Like <laughs> you guys are on a first name basis yeah, with each other. Earl, Clyde Earl was telling me that's complete BS for Westerners. <laughs> yeah, the, the National Geographic team have have done the story about the the caste system or the or the the uh, you know the structure. And they've yeah. been watching them, and I, I almost want to just believe the, the Nat Geo guys because they've watched them. And I, I've seen some of the photographers and the videographers that have been there over the years, and they, they are, they honestly, they watch them more than, than uh, even sometimes than the people who own the park. So I'm kind of, I, I like to keep both stories in mind. Yeah, I think that bears more investigation. <laughs> we might have to go take that yeah. workshop one of these years. I think, yeah. Hey, you, I think you, know, you have to I, take Martin's workshop in 2019 to know, get to the you bottom. Know what? I, I, should, I should just add as well, as, as far as long as we're actually plugging this stuff, um, that's the first three days of a wildlife, um, a, Jap- a Japan wildlife tour, and we then go and photograph the red crowned cranes and the the hooper swans and the sea eagles, and we do all sorts. It's a 12-day tour. So the monkeys are the first three days and perhaps the cutest three days. Love it. Good way to start. Good way to start. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Martin. I love it. I love having you on. I love talking about those snow monkeys. I want to see the next shots you do of them. And, uh, yeah, send me me a shot of Earl. I want to see (laughs) Earl and his finger. It's always a pleasure, Frederick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And Mike Sharkey James from the Petapixel Photography Podcast, man. What's going on with you, man? What do you have coming up? You know, the usual. We're putting out two episodes a week, Petapixel Photography Podcast. So you can go to petapixel.com slash podcast or iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Just type in Petapixel, which is P-E-T-A-P-I-X-E-L. Like I said, we were the first photography podcast in Spotify and, uh, Apple featured us for a couple months on the front page of the podcast section. So, you know, we had, it's, we I have a good tell job. You, I, not because of you, but I did cancel my Spotify subscription last <laughs> week. <laughs> That's okay. You can still listen. You on know, I'm on Apple Music now. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, we have, a, we have a great show, I think. And, and so I'd like everyone to check out the Petapixel Photography Podcast. I'm Lens Shark on everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, whatever, the Twitters. As uh, Alex Lindsay says, right? Yes. And um, so, you know, check us out there. Also, you know, you you remember that I'm going to give a plug to someone completely else. Jeff Widener, one of the most famous photos of all time, certainly one of the most famous photos of the 20th century, is that photo of the Tank Man photo of Tiananmen Square. 
mm-hmm. the guy that stood down the tanks. And I don't even know if we know what happened to him. He's probably still in the gulag or Chinese gulag somewhere. Probably. But um, Jeff Widener is now on Instagram. And so check him out. He's got a brand new website, jeffwidener.com, W-I-D-E-N-E-R.com. Great photojournalist. Go ahead and everyone in the TWIP army and the Petapixel army, follow him. You know, he's got, he just, he just launched it recently. So you, everyone can picture that photo. Everyone is one. It's just kind of like with Steve McCurry, although Steve McCurry doesn't consider himself a photojournalist. So he's just, just a photographer, I guess. <laughs> he, um, you know, the famous Afghan, <laughs> we talk about that, him all that's, the time. That's unfair. He's, he's still, still doing a great job. <laughs> he's doing a great job. He just does never apparently considered him or hasn't considered himself a, photo, a photojournalist in forever. But uh, Jeff Widener does. And so the tank man photo, you know, uh, Steve McCurry's great. He, you know, he's got that Afghan uh, photo, Afghan girl photo that he's known for. But Jeff is known the uh, most for this tank uh, man photo. And he was up for, I think it was, this was shot in August, I believe, of, or no, June of 1989. And wow. he was up for the 1990 Pulitzer Prize. Uh, he didn't win it, but he was up for it. And that's, you know, more than I can say, and, and many of us. So he's a great guy, a wonderful photojournalist. Go ahead and check out his stuff. Go follow him on, on you know, on Instagram. Uh, I can't remember what his account is, but go over to jeffwidener.com and you can do that. And also, I wanted to mention another. Look. Yeah, it's jeff.widener on Instagram. Jeff.widener. He's currently got 102 followers. Let's go. Let's put that in four digits. Come on, people. So yeah. um, also, I wanted to uh, mention another. Well, Jeff's a, a current photojournalist, but a former photojournalist and a great, wonderful guy. Wonderful photographer passed away this past Friday. So when this uh, comes out, it'll been a week. Tim Mantuani passed oh. away of cancer this uh, this past Friday night. And Jeez. there's a picture of him, the first picture there on Jeff's uh, on Jeff's side, where the current picture is uh, is a photo with uh, with Tim. And so Tim is known for a lot of things. He's done a lot of commercial things for all kinds of uh, you know, probably like Nike, I think, a lot of uh, great companies. But he photographed all these famous photographers with their most their most well known photo. And so in the background of this picture, you can see Jeff Widener with that Tank Man photo. Mm-hmm. And so Tim, I didn't know him super well. We talked a couple of times. He was a wonderful guy. Everyone loved him. And so, you know, he's like my age. He was like 46, 47. And so it's, it's terrible losing someone, especially someone not just so talented, but a really great human being. Yeah. And yeah. so I want to give a shout out to, you know, uh, just Tim Mantuani. You can go to his website, timmantuani.com check out his work and be inspired. He was a great guy and a great photographer. So wonderful. And we'll link to him in the, uh, in the show notes for this episode. Cool, man. Well, thanks for doing that. And shark Mike, Sharky James, thanks for coming on the show. Thank Always you. a pleasure to have you on. Don't be a stranger, man. Why, you, why do you, I don't know. It's been for You had me on every three weeks or so. And then four months went by. I was in like was twip jail or something. Yeah. Since last June. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're... you've launched you launched like a new podcast. You give yourself a plug for your podcast. You have a billion podcasts, and we and so... are, we are. Well, you know, I'm actually promoting them in the ads for this show. So, oh, nice, nice, <laughs> nice, wanna... nice. All right, as we well as yeah, what else I'm promoting in the ad for this show? The uh, the five day deal thing that's kicking off this week. By the time I think by the time this show goes live. The five day deal will be in full swing, right, Martin? You're participating awesome. in that thing, right? Absolutely, yeah, 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 yep, yeah. So that that kicks off. Um, can't talk about it yet because they haven't announced what's actually in the bundle. <laughs> but by the time you listen to this episode, uh, I think I'm linking to it at 
twip.pro slash 5DD2017. And or you are now. You, <laughs> I 2016 yeah. it'll be, I'm sure. Uh, is it 2016? Yeah, I think yeah. it's 20, 2016. Maybe it's just 5DD. One of those. <laughs> it'll be linked to from this blog post. Go click on it. That's my affiliate link. So I get a twip gets some change to keep the lights on if you click on it. Um, and if you want to support Martin Bailey, he's got links on his site to the five-day deal. So if you want to give him change instead of Frederick, go to Martin's site and click on his link, and he'll get the money Thanks. instead of me. Thanks, Frederick. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I like to spread the love. You know, it's yeah. good karma. Good it karma. Is. We all, all right, guys. after each other. Yeah, we have to. We have to. <laughs> All right, guys, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Uh, be sure to visit our new TWIP school. By the way, we have a couple of new courses in the TWIP school, so go check those out. We just launched a new course on Aurora HDR 2017 in the school. Actually, that went live today as we record this, so please go over there and check that out. And, of course, if you're listening to this in, on on YouTube or in your podcatcher, you can see all the stuff, all the links that are associated with this episode at thisweekinphoto.com, and you can subscribe to our other podcasts and all things photography over there. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. Weekend Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.